0: Thank you all for being here. I um, asked my husband, like, what do I do to make sure this is really compelling? And he goes, just get to the point first. So <laughs> I think the point is for me, what I want to start with is I don't feel special. I think that all of us in here have our own stories that are as compelling and moving and healing and helpful for each other equally. So it's a little weird to be up here, but I am an abductee, and I wanna say that because I think there's an unintentional movement to force people to say experiencer. And if you're sure you've been abducted, just say it loud and say it proud because we're not doing each other favors to say experiencer. And I have a husband. I can't, I'm pregnant. I can't say anything remotely sentimental without tearing up. Um, I have a husband that accepts me. I have a family that allows me to speak about this. And I have a friend who has um, helped me process this. And because of that, I think I'm unique that I can speak openly about this. So I feel like I'm up here for Others who cannot, because you're not crazy. <laughs> uh, and I want to say that a lot of you here probably research the SSP and intergalactic um, exopolitics more than I do. So a lot of you know a lot more than I do. And in a way, it's beautiful because I'll speak about something and then someone emails me, here's a resource for you. This person said this, check this out. What I'm talking about is community, and we all need each other, so I'm really proud to be a part of this. Um, As uh, Tyler said, I identify with experimental programs, not secret space program. I don't think it matters. I think we all just talk, and where you can relate and identify, then you sync up and you kind of figure out what's going on for me because it is going on. Last thing I want to say, I've never shared this in a live group setting. I've done it in interviews. Being an intuitive, I think that I'm transferring a lot more information than I'm actually verbally saying. So if I'm like going too fast, don't wait till the end. Shout out a question. I'll repeat it and share and I'll slow down because sometimes I think I'm communicating a lot more than I really am with that, let's rock and roll. Can you hear me okay? Okay. So, I work as a medium, um, meaning that I hold sessions where I connect with people who have left their bodies because we never really die. And we're going to get to that. The soul is completely timeless and completely accessible in many lives, physical and non-physical. I also offer mentorships for other people with um, abilities, psychic abilities, medium abilities, and I have on here experiencer, abductee, contactee, all of the things. I have to start by saying thank you to Tyler and Aaron for hosting this conference. This is important that this gets out. Thank you to everyone who's here. To all the speakers, because there's always an element of ridicule that comes when you talk about this, and so your vulnerability and your strength is paving a path that keeps getting wider and wider so that more people can walk down it, and for that I'm really grateful. Everyone who's helped me along the way, Tony, you've been a, a friend, a mentor, a colleague, pain in my ass sometimes. <laughs> And I don't know if he's in here, but I wanna shout out James Rink, because in the very beginning, when I felt insane, James helped me immensely. He listened to me, he didn't judge me, he synced me up with other people who could help me, so I don't think he's in here, but I'm just gonna shout him out. And finally, to my husband, Neil, who (laughs) holds my hand when I'm um, processing sometimes instead of driving me to an insane asylum. (laughs) I know that I'm fortunate, yeah. (laughs) Um, I know that I'm fortunate to have acceptance, no matter really what comes out of my mouth from my family and those around me, or at least they don't say it to my face if they don't accept it. Okay, a little bit about me. I'm going to run through some things people always want to know my heritage. These are my four grandparents German, Irish, From English roots, though, black Dutch. I don't know what that is. That's all my grandmother will say, black Dutch. I don't even know what that means, but that's what she says. And a grandfather from the Caribbean. Can't you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I have O plus blood type. That is me as a young girl. I had strawberry blonde hair, which the question of hair color comes up more than I ever thought about, but apparently red hair is... uh, a desirable trait for taking people into these programs for certain programs. Uh, I did high school in three years, college in three years. I finished grad school with honors at 21. Thought I was going to be a journalist. I love researching things. I'm a skeptic by nature. Then everything changed, and I went through what I call my deprogramming, where I studied uh, mediumship for four years. You can read all the things. I'm not going to go through them. And this was after my psychic abilities cracked back through because I wanted to feel equipped to use them first for myself and then for others. Do I have military family? I had a grandfather that served in uh, the Korean War. He was a private first class, got a Purple Heart for his service. I have a four times great uncle, Patrick Pierce, that started Easter Rising, which led to the Irish Rebellion. He was executed 106 years ago yesterday, and I have to say, when he was led from his jail cell, which I actually got to go into when I went to Ireland, um, to the firing squad line, he whistled on the way. Yeah, fighters. I'm telling you, there's something about being a fighter. And then no military service, but Uncle John, and I have to shout him out because Um, I got a death threat once for putting out some of the research that I've been doing. And uh, somebody said, I'm coming after you and I'm coming after your family in a YouTube comment. But I still was like, oh, my God, they're going to find me, they're going to get me. So I went over to my aunt and uncles and I told them, like, I'm really scared, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this. And Uncle John goes, well, ask them what time and I'll load my shotgun. Uh, It it actually made me feel free to talk about this. I was like, all right, it's going to be okay. Uh, I have to tell you, I love animals. I have my whole life. I think that this comes up again for a reason. I've always been able to communicate with them. Um, I've always known that they have souls. I've always believed, by the way, I eat meat, so I'm not going there. But I still... Right, because whatever, (laughs) I'm a human too. Um, But I've felt that they're a little bit more evolved than we are and some species of animals are much more evolved than we are and I've always enjoyed connecting with them because of what comes through their spirits and I do offer animal sessions as one of my services. If I could do that full time I would because they're far less complicated than human beings. (laughs) Okay, so I'm gonna go through a little bit of an order of things, and then I'm gonna break down a timeline of my abductions, my experiences, and what I remember. But um, fear of abduction began at age three for a reason, because I was abducted at age three, and I spent all the way through college being terrified of being abducted. There was a routine at night. My family would check the night sky. They would reassure me there were no moving lights. I could not even be around anything remotely alien, no movies, nothing like that. It just scared the crap out of me. Um, I've had psychic abilities as long as I can remember. I wish I didn't have to use the slides, but baby brain is a real thing. So these are for me too. Um, My psychic abilities intensified at age 29, which is also when really unusual memories that I didn't realize were memories at the time, they were visions, were coming through. I connected to my guides at age 29 in the month of August in Hawaii. I'm going to get to my guides in a second. And then I started doing what I call nervous system adjustments. We need our nervous system to perceive way more than we've ever been told. So training the nervous system is one of the most important things that you can do to connect with your high self and with any guidance around you. ET, UD, angels, doesn't matter. they operate in a realm perceivable by our nervous system if we train it. That's also when I met Tony. I saw Tony on a show and something clicked when he said, you can tell if at the end of 20 years there are big changes in your life. I had been introduced to this concept by Carolyn Mace, a healer of calling your soul back into your body because I kept telling people around me, I feel like part of my soul's not in my body. I feel like part of my soul is somewhere else. and Most people say you've got to heal your traumas. You leave a piece of who you are at those traumas or you distort a piece of who you are at these experiences in your life. And I was like, it's something else. So I started meditations and when I would meditate, I would find myself in a spacecraft and I would talk to myself in the craft and I would say, you have to calm down out here because you're affecting me on earth. At the time, all I knew was that probably meant that this was some kind of holographic experiment and I had connected to my video game player. I knew nothing of the programs at that time. I have to shout out a couple teachers though. It didn't start with Tony. Does anybody know who this is? It's Jerry Wills. And he was, I don't know, but he was found in a barn as a baby same day as 11 other kids, all adopted into military families, and he's a really profound healer. I identified with him. He has total alien vibes, hybrid vibes, whatever you wanna call it. I reached out to him and I said, I think you can help me. I booked a session with him. He said, I cannot help you. You need to connect to Ingo Swan, who I'd been dreaming about. I'm not gonna get into that, but if you wanna ask questions about it later, feel free. Uh, Mary Rodwell, and then he said to me, you have to work with plant medicine. So I went to Peru with Jerry Wills to try ayahuasca and San Pedro. I'm an advocate of whatever you believe is going to work for you, but you need to know your truth. I'm not advocating plant medicine. I'm advocating following your truth. And then from there led me to various other teachers. Ayahuasca, nothing happened for me. The shaman told me mediums are ayahuasca. You operate in the realm that ayahuasca, the spirit of ayahuasca brings forward. Then I tried San Pedro and I was talking to bird beings about my past. So again, you have to do what works for you. Uh, A lot of you know me from Talks with Tony. I've had a podcast. If you ever listen to it, you can hear me processing and realizing involvement. Um, I have a YouTube, I'm not active on it right now because Baby Courses edited Tony's book and then I'm very selective, I think, but I've done a few interviews out there. But what you don't know is that I am currently working on a book um, in conversations with two publishers. I'll probably still go rogue and self-publish. I am in a documentary being filmed about people with special abilities who teach them to others. I have been signed up as a volunteer for people who test psychics, starting with one in Arizona. I'm also going to be becoming a mom, so there's a couple other things coming on. Uh, biggest question, do I think my son will go into the programs, does this run in families? It's uh, I think about Tony saying, I didn't want my mom to find out. I think about people like Will or Johan, as we know him, whose family disowned him. It's heartbreaking. Do I think he'll go in? I think he might. I think the chances are high that something's going to be tried. I love the gentleman who said, talk to your kids about consent. I do not consent. I never thought of that. It's brilliant. And does this run in families? That was you, sir. I see you. Thank you for that comment, by the way. Um, this is a book that changed my life, The Forgotten Promise. I had been hiding uh, my experiences. I'd been sharing them with Tony and, and um, pushing him to talk more because I knew he was helping people like me. And I went home for Thanksgiving almost two and a half years ago. My sister handed me this book and she said, please just read this without judgment and talk to me after. And I said, why? And she goes, I need to know what you remember from your childhood. And I was like, I'm not gonna read the book. What are you talking, I mean, I will read the book, but tell me now, what are you talking about? And she said, do you remember when they would come for us? And I tried to teach you to block yourself with an orb, but you left 3D. And I was like, do you remember the night of the robbers, which was an experience when bright lights showed up outside of our house? And our door kept slamming open and closed. And next thing I know, I wake up on the floor, and my mom's screaming for me. And it turns out my mom remembered it, my sister remembered it, and I remembered it. This book allowed me to talk to my family about the truth. And it turns out we had all not been talking to each other. We have. To talk about this. We have to. You don't have to start with your family. That's big fucking scary stuff, but you can talk about it here. So what happened is I read this book and I was able to openly share everything that I remembered. That memory was a big one for me. It's the first one that I took into a regression, which I will get to. Oh, there's a little picture of my niece, but um, I believe it does run in families. I'm sorry the picture didn't show up, but When my niece was two and a half years old, my sister was visited in the night by two grays and a Native American looking being, as she says. And they told her, we're coming for your daughter in two days. We're gonna bring her back safe, don't worry. They did that, they did exactly that. My sister woke up to them placing her in her bassinet. And from that point forward, the daughter was afraid of Halloween. She started saying, I don't like Halloween. I don't like masked people. And she started searching for our owie's. So my sister has a small spot here. I have a small spot on my neck. My dad has a small spot on his shoulder. And she started saying, where's your owie? I'm not claiming to know what any of this means. I'm just telling you what happened. Then the one that got me was I had her come stay with me last summer. So she was three and a half. And we live in a building where you drive down into the garage basement, and as we got down to level two and turned the corner, she popped up and she goes, is this the moon? Like the interior of a garage basement looks nothing like the moon, and that's the moment when I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure she's already been. Okay, let's talk about my timeline. Thank you, Tony, for teaching me to do this, by the way, because it's really hard to do this without a sort of map. But zero to three, abduction and contact with a familiar race. Uh, I have a lot more memories than I first had now, now that I'm open to it, and I've I've done my human work to accept it. Um, Around age five to seven, eight, I'm gonna go through each of these a little bit more, but I think this is what I would call five to 12, a recruitment phase meaning there was weird school testing, there was missing time that um, I experienced that didn't line up with my lifetime. I have to say something. This does not match the standard 20 and back. It doesn't make full sense based on some of other people's testimonies, but I'm still gonna tell you exactly how I remember. And then at age 12 is when I have off-planet memories. And they carry through all the way to 23 and beyond. I have no memory of an exit point from um, off-planet back to Earth. I have no memory of that. I have asked under regression, am I still out there? And I answer to myself, you're not ready for that answer yet. Just, I don't know. <laughs> so let's go 0 to 3. Um, Family memory of robbers. I did take that into a regression. It was a full-on alien abduction. There was one tall grayish being that came in and two shorter ones. What I remember is that the gray one lifted me. My body went limp. I tried to look out of the corner of my eye at the smaller beings and I could not focus on them. I could not look at them, but I was paralyzed. And then we dematerialized. There was no beaming, there was no out the window. We dematerialized. And I, next thing I remember, am on, I can't say on a craft, I'm in a circle room. Um, and they're touching me. They're touching me everywhere. They're especially interested in my teeth. They're, it feels like their fingers, which I think they only had four or three, I remember that they didn't have five fingers. Um, they were collecting data with their hands, and they were just, I didn't feel violated. Nothing went in any holes except my mouth. But I remember being like, oh, this again. Like feeling like, oh, this again. And, um, and then it was very short as far as I remember, and that, then I woke up on the floor, and my mom was screaming for me, but I was mad at my mom, because I felt like something was her fault. Um, I also have memories of learning things like how to tie my shoe that were, it was taught to me by beings and I'm going to get to what they look like in just a second. And then psychic abilities, when I was that age, my mom would be thinking about what she was going to make for breakfast and go to start it without saying anything. And I would say, mom, I don't want that. I want something else. And she'd be like, how the hell are you reading my thoughts? Okay, so people want to know what do my ETs look like. You can see here my cat. This is Bonnie, she's my greatest teacher. And then you see this nice, beautiful, feline race. Very stunning. That's not my guides. I wanted it to be. (laughs) I have to say one thing. My guides first appeared to me in a way that we know things become form. So it started as thoughts which you might think is your imagination. So if you don't embrace that, you're gonna miss out. Do not underestimate your imagination. Started as thoughts. When I started to realize these are not my thoughts, this is something else, they became colors, very similar to this color. When I started to recognize the colors were an actual entity, I saw them as beings. So they came to my nervous system in the order that I could comprehend. This is what they look like. We are very conditioned to think all grays are bad. That's not my experience. This is not exactly what they look like. You could see the veins in their head and they're not gray. They look like more the color that you would expect a dead body to look like. Um, I felt camaraderie with them. I felt acceptance. I felt love. I did not feel any um, need to harm. And later on, through regressions, I got a little bit more. And um, I, I believe that I was this species in another life before coming to Earth, where all lives are simultaneous. So I, ha- I am one of them. Oh, you can't see any of these photos. Well, what they were was art therapy I was encouraged to do. And they were these really gorgeous shapes. And then the art therapist said, "Now, if I just have you draw something, just to release, what would you draw?" This is in 2016. I drew that ET, that exact ET, and I drew it in a round room with padded little circles, which is exactly how it came through in a regression five years later. This stuff is is inside of you. Okay, five to eight. I had. Um, Craft, come to my house and play a levitation game. So what it would look like, let me tell you about the craft. It wasn't that modern. It was a disc shape and it had a ball and it landed on that ball in a way. And they were human looking, not ET, but they would come out and when they came out, it was time to play the ball game. So what the ball game would look like is first they would roll this ball and you'd have to sort of bounce it up and not let it hit the ground. And then they would start going a little faster, and then they would tell you, if your feet are on the ground and you catch the ball, you're going to ignite your house. Your mom's going to die. And what they were doing was seeing if you could levitate. If you could hold the ball and lift yourself off of the ground, which my sister has memories of me doing as well. And The moment that you levitate, I believe something in your vibrational pattern changes and you become identifiable by technology in the sky. You become tagged. I am not the only person having this experience since I've shared it. There are a lot of kids who get this ball game. So I felt like I needed to share that particular one. Um, Then I have this uh, waking memory that my husband helped me through. Where I, w- I was having a memory, and then I thought, "This is weird. I don't, I don't, I can't place this." And I went to look at the person in the memory, and he had a gray box for a head. Just a gray box. I couldn't see his face, and um, I also always remembered the name. I can't believe I'm outing this place, but I'm doing it. Leva, L-E-V-A. They're based in Whitesboro, Texas and they have forensic evidence videos. If you know anything about trauma training, that's a key thing to know. Um, So I took it into a regression, and what I saw was that this person with the gray head I was with for three to four weeks doing training, trauma training, with videos that were played that would flash between uh, someone like Bob Ross and then something really traumatic and then Marilyn Monroe, and then something traumatic. And um, it would always start with a swirly uh, hypnotizing pattern. So um, I don't think that was off-planet. I think that was on-planet. I think I found the neighborhood, and I think it was by Dallas Love Field Airport where they were also conducting simulation training in a hangar. Um, In a regression, I asked why this company was putting me through this recruitment phase and they said they look for three things in individuals. They look for fight, will you fight or flight, which there was a lot of simulation training about. They look for your DNA of your human body and they look for your soul lineage because they know what life forms you've been in before and they know the tendencies that you come into this life from that life form. So in the the alien race that I showed you that I think I've been before, we communicated through telepathy. It was a given. So you have that memory in your soul body that you bring into this life. And sometimes individuals can still do it, which I could. I talked about simulation in airfield. I had weird tests at school. That's all I'm going to say about that. And then a severe migraine, debilitating migraine that's documented, I went to the doctor at that age and they were like, huh, we don't know, it's nothing, put her to bed, it's fine. Uh, I just wanted to show you some things that popped up for me, in case they're popping up for you. I collected pictures of people with things on their heads, and there was a book that I loved called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, because out of all these memories of people whose faces and heads I couldn't remember. And I started to question if it was a neurological disorder. And I, now, looking back, I was collecting these images as a form of sort of tranquilizing myself, a little bit of self-therapy. Uh, the picture I just showed you before was important because in a, a regression, it came up that this happened from my daycare. But I never remembered being in daycare. And then I found this picture, which was summer camp. So the summer camp was here. Leva Institute is here, Dallas Love Field, and the house that I remember being at are there. This is where I'm about to talk about my exit point. The reason why this is important is this is coordinated stuff going on, I believe, because this was happening in two different locations at two different schools. Eight to twelve testing and the exit, more weird um, school test than I remember being. At school, next thing I know, I'm in a suburban. I get driven into these doors in the middle of nowhere outside of the Bell helicopter factory in Amarillo, Texas. I go down underground. I start leaving my body. There's um, people around me that I think are like doctors, and they say, I, I, I'm going to swear, they say, God damn it, get back in your body or we're going to make this hard for you. And I believe that was the moment of consent, I said. Okay, And I went back in my body, um, needles swiveled over, and next thing I remember, I'm waking up with a shaved head in an operating room, kind of. It was not very advanced. The mirror was like looking at the back of like a baking sheet, and it was very sterile environment. And I asked, why am I here? And they said, we've just operated on your liver and your gallbladder so that your body can tolerate space. I was given a bowl of white mush to eat. I ate it and then they said, now try this. It was little pebbles that do look like dog food. I had a few bites and I threw up and they said, okay, it worked. From 12 to 17, my memories are really hazy. I'll tell you the things I do remember clearly. I remember being on an alternate planet. It was about the color of these bricks. They had something called grav mats, which were these mats that clicked together to make gravity. People ask what language was it, you remember English, because you're, you're thinking in English and there are translators, so you're hearing their voice in English inside of your head. But I do remember joking about the douchey way they said gravmaten. So that's close to German, I think, but they called them gravmaten, and we would joke around about it because they sucked. And the way that they were put together, you could only build up. It was easier to build up than out. And uh, the elevators would always break because of it. The elevators didn't function properly. If you're like me, you're thinking, if you're in outer space, you're so far advanced, why would you have busted technology? It's the same reason we do here. You start using it and then you're like, well, I don't change the whole fucking system. So we'll just operate on like a semi-functional system. Um, There were bathhouses there, that was a big part of like coming in and out, not in the way if you've read Tony's book that he talks about it, but there were bathhouses that were really important to living in that environment and people would use them, but it was also a spa type feeling. And peach lighting, I just remember the lights were peach, all the lights were peach. This is what the people looked like, (laughs) I'm serious. And there were humans, and there were cars that looked like Rolls Royce. They had the mirrors at the front, and they were attached through a sort of, not rail system, but the car they wanted to drive, so they attached the cars to rail systems so that the cars would stay down and people could use them. It was like a, an elite-type thing to be able to have this car. I'm telling you all of this because I had an irrational fear of elevators. I would walk 32 floors. Um, I had an irrational fear of peach lights. If I went to an airport and there were peach lights, I would not get on the plane, because I was like, this is how I die, this is bad. I don't know why, but this is bad. Please let these next pictures work. Yes. Anybody ever seen anything like this in your imagination? Just your imagination. Tony, have you ever seen a fish-headed being? Oh, you have? Anybody ever seen something like this? I talked to a woman this morning who had. This is not your imagination. This is programming. So that if you say something fucking crazy, like I saw this being in my garage, I saw a fish headed, people are gonna say it's just the cartoons. This is intentional. What about this one? Let's load a bunch of kids on a bus and send them into outer space. This is very intentional. I'm not gonna go on a rant, I'm just gonna say, if you're seeing something or your kids are saying something and you're like, oh, you read that in a book, um, just think twice. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I wanna point these all out. Your dreams are random. 96 of your DNA is junk. Humans have five senses. We only need 15% of our brain. It's just your imagination. Do you know what they all have in common? Yeah, it's a lie. It's a programmed lie. Your dreams are not random at all. In fact, sometimes they're the biggest guide you have. 96% of your DNA is hybridized. (laughs) That's my opinion. (laughs) Um, It's not junk. We have way more than five senses. And if you learn to use them, you will empower yourself. Your brain is capable of way more than what you've been taught. It is not just your imagination. You have to deprogram these lies from yourself to not only heal yourself, but to empower yourself to be who and what you really are. 17 to 23, this is the one everybody is always the most interested in. You may have heard James yesterday talk about R-Corp. From my memory, it is U-S-S R-Corp. They wear white uniforms, it looks like the Navy, they look like humans, but they don't age as quickly. I believe I served with USSR Corp from 17 to 23. Um, the different colors are font of font are because I like to differentiate between black, which is what I remember, and the fuchsia color, which is what came through regression work. That's a personal thing, but I think it's helpful for people to see as well. Um, During this time, we lived on either an asteroid, a dwarf planet, or a moon between um, Jupiter and Saturn. Why were we there? There's a portal. This is an intergalactic corporation that uses the portal to go where they're from. And I remember they would always say, we're millions of years ahead of you. We're millions of years ahead of you. To me that means it's possible that there are humanoid species that are millions of years older than us because they look like human beings. They were looking for the fountain of youth. They were obsessed with not aging. And what they would do is they would pinch beings from our galaxy or all over the solar system. They would bring them into a lab there. My job was to stand by the table and say yes or no to do these beings have life force. So remember all the way back, I love animals, I talk to them, they're amazing. I think that these skills were utilized by this company to help them with whatever wicked research they were doing. I did not like them. In fact, you'll see on here, dickhead doctor from Jurassic Park. I had a, um, like a counterpart, a male counterpart I think I know who he was. I think I went to school with him through middle school. I've never asked him about it, but he did um, almost die of heroin several times. So he's had a rough life. Um, and then people want to know, like, did we have shot collars? No, we had something here that would stop higher processing. Meaning I, you, you use the right side of your brain to connect with another being's essence. If your left brain kicked on too much, you'd just get a little jolt. And because of that, we were not very in the loop about what was going on, details, these kinds of things. But there are certain things that I do remember. I remember from the portal saying, they're in the sling. And that meant that they were queuing up to time hop or whatever you want to call it. And sometimes we would say they're in the pipe, which meant they were using the more rail system type thing to get from one place to another. The eel operation, that's just the one um, animal that had the biggest impact on me. It was an eel that had a chicken beak, and as they were testing it and prodding it, its whole community came in, and they were having a death ceremony for this being because they knew it was gonna go, and I didn't tell them. I just experienced it, and I remember it because of the emotional contrast of how beautiful that connection was against what this corporation was doing and how they were treating this animal, but um, obviously it can impact you when a species' innate care for each other is so much stronger. You know, on Earth we force love. We have to learn how to love. It's not necessarily innately in us, in my opinion. These beings, their sense of community and innate love is, is so strong that it's overwhelming. So then from 23 on, these are vague. This is very hazy, but I do remember a certain prayer. Wings in the air, butts in the seat, something, something, until we meet, something, something, skyward bound, safe and sound when we touch ground. I remember having this title, and I remember that it was pronounced weirdly like fidget. The only place I can find this word is in marine, documents. I don't know what it means. I share this in case somebody is served that knows. We flew craft with torque. Everybody thinks it's anti-grav in outer space, but we were in outer space and we were flying craft with torque. I remember there being our main ship looked like a cruise ship and there were smaller flying anti-grav machines that we would use that would dock, and when you docked, you would walk into a hallway and you'd stand and you'd get like a puff of air. And they were scanning you for contraband, um, potential you know hazardous to the ship. They were also scanning your emotions because if your vibration was too low, you could not enter the ships because the technology on the ships were that connected to each individual on there. Um, this is the environment where when I was doing the meditations, I was finding myself and I was talking to myself when I mentioned at the very beginning um, feeling like a part of myself wasn't in my body. They had similar uniforms to USSR Corp, meaning they were white and black, and then some of the crew wore what looked like gray janitor suits. So 23 to win, I'm not sure, but I know in my life, 28 to 29, everything changed for me. Stopped fighting my abilities, I embraced being a medium, Started a healthy relationship. I became less angry at what, I'm not entirely sure. And I reconnected with my family that I was blaming for everything. Um, I know I'm going fast, so take a breath. I am a skeptic by nature of everyone, everything, including myself. So when these memories come in for me, I ask myself these critical questions. One, as a medium, is this even mine? Because it's possible that when you connect with another person, you pick up their memories, not just for me, but for everyone. Is this an implant? I hate this question. But we know that there are technologies that could implant memories in us, whether we like it or not. Is this a simultaneous life? Meaning, am I connecting to another part of my high self experiencing life and I'm having a memory tune into that? And this is where I think the programs come in. Or is this a forced split? Meaning has part of my consciousness been split in a forced way and this is causing a distortion in the natural flow of our souls that I'm experiencing? I also want to list out what I think dreams are. I think they're sometimes memories. There's sometimes processing of your day-to-day life. There's sometimes visitations from your relatives, but also your guides, whether they're ETs or angels or UDs. I think we do out-of-body travel. And when we do that, we reconnect to the timelessness of who we really are. I think you can visit components of your soul I think there are times when we're taught things by higher beings or our high self. And I think they're also the high self asking us to change something. And those are the the dreams that disturb us. They're asking us to look at something or to change something. One last thing about your imagination. Your imagination is God because we're not separate from source. And embrace your imagination You have to believe yourself first the moment you say fuck it I have to go with this is the moment that all of your healing can really truly start you have to believe yourself first okay I'm coming into the final slides I want to show you something I think this is who we are this is what my soul looked like because I went to my guides and I said are you my origin, is this what I am? And they kind of giggled and they said, no. Do you want to see what you are? And I was like, yeah, of course, obviously. And they're like, okay. They said something like, if the universe is the size of a dime, you're 100 miles away. I sent that formulation to a friend, Good With Math. He said, it's 1.08 trillion light years away. And this is how I saw myself as a star. And this is what I think is going on. This is my soul source. This is my experience as Jackie Kenner. This is my experience in another life where I knew Tony, but we don't talk about it, second book, coming out in the second book. Um, This is what I remember of a life in France. This is maybe a life that I haven't tuned into yet. This is the programs. They force split a piece of who you are off of a natural soul splice. In my opinion, by the way, I'm not an authority, so if you're, you know, take this to your heart center and see if it feels true to you. All other components of our soul communicate back and forth. So if I tune into this one and I learn something and I heal it, it goes to my soul source and all parts of who we are are affected by that. This one only communicates here back and forth, back and forth. It's very hard to do any work on a forced split. But I believe that this part of who we are can do work on that one. So if you think there's a part of you not in your body or out there, there is absolutely hope because this is what we really are. This is what our souls are. And I think all of those are happening at the same time right now. So if you take this form, it can remind you a little bit of this. A little um, star is you in the middle. You have all these other lives around and they influence each other. They all influence each other. And then you've got this little unnatural satellite. (laughs) (laughs) Which has been strategically placed to force certain things to happen. But then if you zoom out, this is a galaxy full of stars, full of all of us interacting with each other. And then if you zoom out again, these are multiple galaxies. This is a reminder of how we're all intertwined and how each little thing that happens for one of us connects to the greater whole of what's actually going on. It's also a reminder that your soul is a star form energy And with that, I want to offer some resources. If you feel that this is going on for you, these are people here today, right now, that offer sessions to support you and help you. I know there are a few that are here that are not up here because I don't know if they offer sessions. These people can help you because none of us are alone. We're in this little galaxy together, and we're all influencing each other. Suzanne. You know, you got to be patient to get with Suzanne, but I'm sure she can refer people. Um, I am focusing exclusively on medium sessions. It's where I feel that my highest calling and my highest help and good for people is all of these people here will gladly help you connect with them while you're here so that you don't leave feeling alone or like you can't talk about it. Or, you know, come talk to me. I will love to speak with you. With that, that's it. Thank you all for listening.
1: You are not getting away without telling the story with you and Tony in the water and then when he saw you. That yeah. I think that I think that makes your connection. It's profound, and I think it's a beautiful story. And if you don't, maybe Tony, you could even... Uh,
0: I'll share it. So um, first of all, when I told Tony everything, he encouraged me to write it down, make a timeline, remember as much as I could before I started talking about it because um, because of ridicule, really. And Tyler and Aaron were the first people that I openly talked about my experiences with. So I just want to make that connection. Tony and I started working with declassified CIA documents around um, out-of-body experiences and our abilities as uh, light bodies, basically. So we agreed to go through a protocol from the Monroe Monroe Institute called the Gateway Experience. We were going to do the same process together. And we were going to try and meet to see if I was still out there if I'm fully back in my body, or maybe there's a part of me still out there. So we said, let's meet on the moon. So I didn't know, but I started a little early and then <laughs> Tony started a little later. But we went through the process separately, me and Dallas, um, Tony and Michigan. And we went to meet on the moon and I saw it as like a catwalk type platform. Um, and uh, I have to tell you, Ingo Swan, the teacher that I say that I I really love and I follow was a profound remote viewer for the government, and he decided to remote view the moon, and he saw people working on platforms on the moon, and then they kicked him off the project. Another story. So I get there, and I see Tony, and I say, let's go. We're going to go find me. This is how I remember it. And Tony can't. He can't move. And I say, you you got something stuck Like, I can't bring you with me. I want to bring you with me. And then all of a sudden, I see this young boy head coming up and down out of the water. And I see a yellow-orange raft. And I keep telling him, calm down, calm down. You're okay. You're okay. And then I pop back out. So jump to the next day. I call Tony. This is not in an altered state. This is on the phone. And I'm like, Tony, did you see me? He's like, I thought I saw you. I came in late. You know, it, in, in a way, it was an unsuccessful meeting in our astral bodies. But I said, Tony, did you ever almost drown? And at first, Tony was like, I don't think so. And I was like, as a young boy in a raft, Tony said, actually, I did. I was out with my sister, and these kids tipped the raft over, and I couldn't swim, and I was panicking. And when they finally got the raft back over and pulled me in, my sister goes, who's Jackie? Because I was screaming your name. So that was in 1970. Okay, we won't go to the year. (laughs) He was seven. I wasn't born because our souls are that big. And this isn't only happening for me. This is happening for people who really do the work to connect with who and what they are. Any other questions? I love questions. (laughs) (laughs) Those happen with clients. They do. Sometimes in a session I'll say, I'm seeing this certain memory. Do you remember it? And then they go, I do. And it's like you were in the room. I get that. So I don't know what that is.
2: Personally, I have a ton of questions now. Okay. <laughs> you've never, we've always talked about everything that you've shared, really. It's not like you're being secretive, but you've never presented it to me as your friend in an order. And so now that I watch it, I'm like blown away. <clears throat> Excuse me. But a um, couple things. So when is your book coming out? <laughs>
0: There's more information on my website. It depends on baby. (laughs) It depends on baby.
2: Well, and so this question I think is um, important. So, like, I'm not somebody that does psychic readings or medium stuff for people. And um, there's a transition from being a normal person working for a paycheck and um, living through your life, you know, going to the grocery store to transitioning to have actually grow the balls to put yourself out there and say, look, I'm a psychic. I'm a psychic medium. I can take care of it. Like, in that transition state, you ha- that. I assume that's the hard part, is basically accepting it, that it's something you can do. Like, What would you recommend to somebody that feels that they might be able to make that jump?
0: I, well, I tell other people I work with to have no-pressure sessions. So what that looks like is you tell someone the truth, I believe I'm psychic, or I believe I'm a medium, I believe I can help you. I'm not yet, it's up to you, but I said, I'm not yet charging for my services, could I do a practice session? And it's very low pressure. And then I started taking donations, and then I started charging, and then I started charging a lot. (laughs) No, the truth is, for me, I operate well with one session a day. And in order for me to do that, and most people, you have to charge more. um, It's scary. It's big scary to say it. And there's this little thing in the depths of your belly that will shake like hell the first time you do something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That motor feeling where you're like, (laughs) I'm surprised I don't have it today. (laughs) Um, But you have to do it anyways. Because that shaking feeling is resetting the vibratory state of your body, and it's important. So I would say start in low-pressure environments and work your way up, because you're also working to believe in yourself, and that's just as important. Does that answer it? Yeah. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, So I first want to just mention, I think it's so interesting that a lot of us who were um, abductees, experiencers, especially the females. We Our first job out of college was journalism. <laughs> that's what I went to as well. Um, but the other question was, you're the first person um, that's mentioned the white uniforms. So I know ages three to five, um, You know my memory is everyone was always wearing white. Obviously, from my perspective, it was just from here down. But um, their shoes were very clear to me. Do you remember what their shoes looked like? That's interesting because I, not the uniformed, but like on the um, car ride out, I rem- and, the, and the people who came to my school to test me, they always had black patent shoes and weird socks, meaning they were out of place in like Amarillo, Texas. Yeah. If I think about the people in uniform in the simulation testing and there, they were black black shoes, white pants, black belt, white shirt, buttoned up, USSR corp. That's what I remember. There there were higher ranking people that were in khaki.
3: Okay. Yeah. The my memory is
0: solid black sole. The shoes were the shoes were white, white top and then
4: black up on the
0: side. So, okay. Thank Interesting.
4: You Thank you very much. So first I want to say thank you because between you and Tony um, you guys helped me through figuring out everything as an experiencer. Um, My nervous system was shot, the level of processing I had to do was incredibly overwhelming and the two of you helped me in ways that I think only people here can understand what it's like as an experiencer when your whole life you thought was framed out in a certain way and when you start reassessing that, doing your timeline, you have to reframe everything in a completely different way. And through that experience, um, I've, I've always been psychic, I've always had a lot of gifts, but you were one of the people in my corner telling me that I could, I could help people, that I could do more with my gifts. And I am so profoundly grateful the fact that my name is up there um, is just- And you
0: made my cute earrings, Diana story jewelry <laughs> too. <laughs>
4: uh, is wild to me. And I just want to let other people here who have been through this journey, who have their own story, know that you guys can help people. And Jackie's amazing in the fact that she has different um, courses and things that she offers. And I would just love for you to share a little bit with people what you offer because you changed my life with that and everybody here has that ability to help others. I think we're all here as emotional first or like energetic first responders for what is happening on our planet and to be able to stand in your power and step into that role is such a beautiful gift and the fact that people like you have courses for us is something that's so needed. So I just would love for other people to know a little bit about what you offer.
0: Okay. I warned you guys I'm like painfully shy, and I don't like self-promoting, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, They used to be modules, and in order for you to take one of my modules, we had to be working together, because I think we all need to be supported. And then I got a little busier, and I wasn't able to do that, so I did release some courses. It starts with you accepting yourself. That's the first course. And then... um, I work a lot with plant energetics, and I do believe that spirits are in plants. Um, Someone here mentioned that mythology is real. I think so. I think there are certain entities that have been bound to plants on Earth that work with us. I offer modules on connecting to your guides. If you're anti-CE5, do not get it, because I talk about that a lot. And then I have uh, modules for dealing with what I call energetic invaders, meaning when people are pissing you off, basically, because it robs your energy and it affects your ability to be neutral and to be connected. And if we can own that we have the power to change that without changing the other person, we really do set ourselves free. So there's a bunch of different modules available. I'm not able to work with people one-on-one with them anymore, but At some point, I decided it was better to have them out there and let people at least try it on their own than to not have them out there. So, thank you, Diana, for forcing me to speak
3: about it. Yes. Hi. Um. I have a question about like your psychic mediumness. (laughs) Um. Do you feel that you connect when you when you're channeling? Do you connect better with with people who have similar um, experiences as you? Or do you connect pretty much the same to like SSP-type people and regular people? Or do you have like, like,, is it smoother with SSP people? or do you have like a block towards regular people? Or is it pretty much the same? Or does it flow with anybody? It
0: flows with anybody. The majority of my clients don't even really know about these experiences that I've had. And trust me, when they're like, how do you think it works? I'm like, this is about to get weirder, <laughs> not clearer. <laughs> so they, they, uh, the majority of my clients, I mean, almost everyone's referral, and um, the majority of my clients are not experiencers. And some are open to ETs, and some are not. Um, I think when it comes to program people that the sessions—I'm not the best person at helping you figure out your program stuff. That's why I've listed these people here. My, my skill set is actually medium connection. A lot of program people um, need emotional healing and support first, in, in my experience in the field in the past 10 years. so. Does that answer your question?
3: Yeah, um, more like kind of continuing. So, as a psychic medium, do you feel like you can connect to all your clients? Or is it sometimes hard to connect with some of them?
0: I probably, in what year are we in? 11 years of doing this, I probably had 10 where you know in the first five minutes, you know, and I'll say, I don't know why, but I can't connect for you. I issue a full refund, and I, I let them know other people they can try. But I'd say I've probably worked with 2,000 people and can remember, you know, 10 times. But the thing is, it was bad. I was <laughs> like, I don't know what the hell is going Thank on, you. but I got nothing for you. by the way, I was looking for two people. Two people who have died have been with me. I found one, Tyler, Sandy. Um, There's another. Somebody named Robert is trying to come through, and there's a three- or four-week anniversary about a marriage date, a passing, a sickness, or something. So if that's you, it could be Roger, but I'm pretty sure it's Robert. Just come talk to me. They have a message, and I'm not going to charge you. (laughs) But seriously, for like three or four weeks, they've been with me, and they're like, it's somebody here. Someone here has a loved one whose past name Robert and there is a three to four week anniversary around that If that sounds like you just come talk to me. Please don't be shy about it. Don't wait until I'm gone But if you are I understand you can just email me. Okay,
5: that's amazing. Uh, I lost my oldest son to cancer um, in 2012. And I was like thinking to myself, it better not be him.
0: Okay, <laughs> Is his name Robert? <laughs> I, no. Okay.
5: I could see him doing that though. was okay. that type of personality. He's like, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to take care of this. Yeah. Um, uh, Diana asked the question that I was going to about, you know, which and I, I thank you for that and the answer. Uh, so I'm going to move on to something else if it's alright. Sure. I just wanted to say, sitting here, um, with all of the um, um, conferences that I've sat through so far, um, I'm, you're resonating with me greatly, um, and I think it's because I am—I believe I'm not an experiencer, at least I don't think that I am. I'm not quite sure what pulls me to this, this realm of this community, um, besides I think that I'm, a little in, I'm an empath. I feel I'm an empath, not that I've had any training or anything, but s- my youngest son, who is 30. So he's not that young, but he's my youngest. Um, just last week, has spoken to me about two things that you talked about, and I've never heard of them before. And now I'm hearing them again. Ashwanda, say that, Ash- oh. Ayahuasca, Ayahuasca. Yeah. Ayahuasca.
0: Let's talk about it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and he wants to go to Peru. And I mean, I'm like, okay. And also the gateway. I've never heard of this stuff before. And, you're, and it's so it's like, it's very synchronistic, very surreal right now for me. I, I came from Ohio, Columbus, but I was worthless nut, but. <laughs> I am so pleased to be here. I am so excited to be here and to hear everyone's stories and what they're sharing. And for it to finally, something Hit me that you know maybe my he tells me of these dreams that he has you know maybe something's going on with him he's on other planets and stuff and I'm like okay we we're if they get you to talk to someone so we may connect yeah <laughs> I appreciate you oh, thank I appreciate you. everybody love
6: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hi. I'm going to start with my question, because then I go off. And I want to make sure you know that I have a question. Um, We have so many children that are coming up that are needing to know that they're okay. Something just broke in me, so I'm a little bit shaky. Um, So I wanted to come up here and ask. Uh, I worked on a psychiatric unit for 10 years. I work in trauma-informed care. I work with special ed kids. Um, I have my own two teenage daughters. I was told a year ago, a year and a half ago, that I'm supposed to have this child. Um, My phone switched to 2564BE, which I think is um, Buddha era. I can't ever put in a credit card birth date anymore. My question is, is how do we, from here on out, because we've raised our children for a world that no longer exists, we've been raised for a world that no longer exists. How do we continue or start to parent and friend, befriend these children and let them know that they don't need to be on medication, there's nothing wrong with them, they don't have a mental illness, they don't need to change their gender, they don't need to um, take their lives, they don't need to do that. What us, I guess I'm asking this question to all of us, is like, what are we willing to do from here on out to make sure that all of this information becomes a practical application as we move forward so that we don't send this into this next generation where they believe that they just need to continue to be on a prison planet or feel enslaved. Um, So I guess I kind of have a question, but then also just a request to everybody um, to really be thinking about, like, why are we here? I believe we're all here because we want to help this next generation. Um, And the storytelling is super important. So I just don't know if there's some comments that you might have to allow all of us to do some integration work as we leave here to be able to take this forward. So thank you.
0: I haven't even had the baby yet. (laughs) Uh, No, actually, it's. It's a, a really beautiful question and something I think about all the time. Like, how do I not program my kid? Um, Mary Rodwell's book, The New Human, is absolutely just stunning. To the, to the comment about medication, Mary Rodwell calls ADHD always dialed into higher dimensions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, autism is on the rise, other cognitive disorders. And um, she takes the perspective of this is intentional so that these children are not programmed. And, and that actually gave me hope because, I, you know, I don't know if my husband likes it when I say this, but we're not special. You know, the chances of us having an autistic child are high and it's a boy it's even higher and that can really get you down but if you can reframe it to say like maybe some of these things are coming in out of necessity and maybe there is another side to it i plan to teach our son if my husband my jewish husband's okay with it about other life forms about soul lineage i plan to ask him if he remembers things um this is so far out of reality for the average person, but we're hoping to homeschool. And I know that many of our jobs don't allow that. So you're like, how do I educate while also program- programming them? <laughs> I'm going to send them for programming, and then I'm going to deprogram them when I get home. But. I think just the fact that you're asking the question is key because that awareness around a problem, as we say in acupuncture, is the first needle. That awareness, okay, I need to put some attention on this, is the first energy movement. And I definitely don't have a really solid answer, except that if we start with the small things and we start teaching different possibilities, start teaching different ways to think, instead of here's the question, here's the answer, it's here's the question, what all is possible, that we can start a shift that makes a pretty big ripple, that's my highest hope.
7: I'm very intrigued with the Screen talked about vibration, uh, nutritional vibration, vibrational nutrition. So, if you could talk a little bit about that, and especially as a follow up to what you were just talking about, is that a utilization opportunity for us to work with those kids and have them show us what they really can do and how we can start accommodating them to make them even more gifted?
0: Okay, you're getting me started. Stop eating junk food. There are corporations intentionally dragging you down. Stop, like you have to, please. I can't tell you what to do. I can beg you, please stop eating junk food. You are are consenting to being dumbed down. I just gave Tony a look. I always tease him about his Burger King runs. No, look, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Like I've had, I I eat Taco Bell, I crave it when I'm pregnant. But you have to be aware that it has an impact and you have to do what you can to raise the vibration. I studied nutrition response testing. And then um, there's a, uh, what's the name of the book? Bugs in our brain, something on our plate. Does anybody remember the book? Okay, well, it teaches you all about the vibration of food and what's going on in your body when you're ingesting. Something in our brain, bugs on our plate. Bugs in our brain, bugs on our plate. Something like that. Um, I think there's, in my opinion now, I'm gonna go off on my opinion. There's absolutely no doubt that there's like an intention in the water system, in the food supply chain, in the air now to pull our natural vibrational states from a high place to a low place. I know sometimes medication is necessary. I'm not anti-med. I'm actually not even anti-vax. I'm anti a few (laughs) vaccines. But sometimes it's necessary. And if you have to do it, telling somebody, like, don't do that, you're going to fuck yourself up, is actually detrimental and stressful. There are instances when we need it. When we're using it to avoid taking care of ourselves, we're consenting to have ourselves dumbed down. And these children are, there's another book, Pottinger's Cat, in case anybody's like a book geek like me, just read the book. But it talks about how we're being told that it's genetic and it's actual just um, generational toxicity meaning my grandfather had high levels of lead, so my dad did, and now I have high levels of lead, and what I'm suffering is lead toxicity and not actually multiple sclerosis. I don't have it, but I'm saying these things happen. And so these children are coming in, it's the third generation since we started using massive chemicals on our crops after World War II, and they're gonna be the most damaged from it, but you need to know you can reverse it. And that's the whole thing behind Pottinger's cats. It took the cat one generation, to reverse the genetic uh, dispositions that were coming through. And we know that our genes are not responding to body signals, they're responding to environment. Change the environment, change the genetic response. So these children are especially vulnerable to some of the things. We're not doing it on purpose, we're subject to it by other things being done, but we have opportunity to do what we can to help. I'm not an expert on this, by the way, but um, it's a big part of what I studied, and this doctor was, that I worked under was healing people through detoxing, simple detoxing and changing their food.
7: Hello. Okay. I was watching you on Matthew's show a little while back, and my father, Charles, came through. Oh, so hi. Wondered, hi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is someone whose father came with me before the show, and then I said it, and we connected after. Yeah. I still think about your little boys tying his shoes. Mm -hmm. Sorry, everyone's not in this conversation. But the father was like, you got to help him tie his shoes. And she was like, yeah, I just got him these things for his shoes. Okay. Yeah,
7: I just wanted to thank you again and validate that Jackie is very accurate and wonderful. So thank you. And I had a question as well. About five years ago, I was doing um, a group meditation and we were being walked back through talking to our child self. And in that moment, the field around me started vibrating and blew out. And then I suddenly had a memory of when I was seven, talking to this very tall woman who I called an angel. And I realized it was me in that moment in present time, talking to my um, childhood self. I was wondering if you could speak to that, that I know time isn't linear, but that pliability of time or the Um, parallel dimensionality and how that plays into your work?
0: Yeah, uh, so I, yes, that happens, and yes, it's real, and yes, please trust it. I don't know how, though. Like, I'm not going to be able to explain the mechanics of that other than to say the soul is timeless and time isn't linear, so it's, like, redundant in a way. Um, I practice something that I call reverse quantum healing. I just made up the name, but... This is why dreams are so key. You can re-enter dreams the same way you can re-enter a memory. And so if you, I practice calling in your high self to that memory in a non-regressed state, in just a waking state, calling in your high self, having an awareness of a God energy, whatever that means to you, and reliving that memory with higher vibrations and higher messages, That's what I was thinking of when you said that. There was something about your high self that needed to be there in that memory because we get these vibrational distortions and if we don't do the work to correct them, then we live with those distortions for the rest of our lives. So anything that vibrates in that distortion is gonna set it off in us. It looks like anxiety, fear, trauma, relationship problems. What I think I'm seeing is like your high self coming in and helping you reset your energy in that moment. Was it, was it a negative memory? No, it, no, was, it was, was a, positive. well, then amplifying it, but still there's a part of you coming in that's wanting to integrate more or differently. And um, we can all do this in our painful memories. It's, it's in one of my courses. <laughs> did that answer your question? It did. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome.
8: Hi. Uh, I want to take it back to the programs for a minute. Sure. Yeah, it's about uh, USSR Corps. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, did you have a sense of the context? You were looking to see if the life force was still in the beings. And yeah. What was? What were they doing? Do you have a, a notion?
0: They well, they were looking for. Um, yes, I, this is what I know. They were looking for what I call the Fountain of Youth, meaning oh, that. Okay. People used to live for longer. I think that these were different genetic people than we are today. I mean, it's no secret that our DNA has basically 12 injection points where something weird happened. And if you don't know that we're experimenting with um, human animal embryos for like 15 years and running now, then you're not in the loop, but we are. So we're doing to ourselves what I think was done to us before we came to Earth. Something got lost, and USSR Corp, who was obsessed with not aging and living longer, they were looking to extract something. And I also, the um, moon or dwarf planet that we were on never got daylight. Mm -hmm. And what they were looking for, myself and my counterpart male knew that it was activated by sunlight, and they were never going to find it. And in addition to that, you know if you take an animal from the deep sea and you pull it up, when it depressurizes it, it basically ruptures? They were plucking these beings from places in the galaxy where they couldn't naturally exist, and so their bodies weren't even retaining what they were looking for. Does that answer your question?
8: Yeah, thank you. being all about the programs, I wanted, we were on a, such a nice riff there with all the light things and I wanted to go back to that though. I kept thinking about it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. They were ruthless,
0: by the way. They did not care about life. They yeah. just wanted yeah. to find yeah. this component. Well, for
8: a moment, because I was, you know, I'll talk about this tomorrow, but it was uh, very much involved with the galactic slave trade. And I didn't know if it had to do with like any kind of hybridization or. And so My on, and
0: understanding so was they wanted to take it back to their. They wanted to yeah. capture it for themselves.
8: Yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you. You're welcome. Service to self. Are
1: all those places in Texas still operational? As far as, or was that from your childhood? How'd no, t- Leva
0: is still going. They're still offering forensic training videos. Right. Um, it's really weird though, because if you look at the address, it just pulls up a mansion on Google Earth. I don't wanna incriminate anyone, but that was the name on the paperwork, Leva Institute and their head of international operations. Is a Kennedy? I don't know. No. Just stating the facts.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> as far as uh, exit point, um, you don't think that's happened yet, so you don't remember that or?
0: I don't know. I know something changed at 28, 29 for me. And I just really, uh, stopped wanting to leave the planet. I wasn't comfortable. I was a very problem child. I was in and out of juvie. I did a lot of drugs. I was really, from that, from that day in the 12th grade, I mean mean when I was 12, from that day forward I had problems. I came back to school the next day. My, I couldn't see the blackboard. I developed as a female, like overnight I had Females, gentlemen, plug your ears, but these weird stretch marks because everything just happened so quickly. I wanted to drink. I was mad at my family even though nothing had changed. And this carried with me. I got sober at 23 and things got better, but I don't feel like I had like a full integration with who I am on earth until 28, 29. Is it possible that there's an Ellen and me still out there? I hate to say this, but yes, <laughs> it's possible.
1: I guess that's it as far as questions. Thank you so much. That was Thank amazing. Thank you.